today's episode, we get to speak to Paul Ross. Paul is an author, speaker, trainer, master hypnotist, and master practitioner of neuro neurolinguistic programming, NLP. For the past 30 years, he's taught tens of thousands of people the power of language to persuade, he sell, heal, and turn stumbling blocks into stepping stones and pain into passion. Paul's speeches and trainings have motivated audiences around the world to discover their power to design their own results. So let's find out how he changed his mindset and went from, uh, from a dating coach to becoming a business coach. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. It's Gul Khan here, your money mindset expert. And I help entrepreneurs to break free from the limiting beliefs, reverse their money shame and to blast through the money blocks so that they can live a life of unlimited abundance. And today I'm so, so excited that we have Paul Ross. Welcome, Paul. Welcome. And I'm so thrilled to be talking to you. Uh, I London is one of my very favorite cities in the world, and it's tied for my favorite city in Europe with Stockholm. Wow. So, <laughs> I've never heard that before. Why is it tied in Stockholm? <laughs> give, me, give me a reason. Well, because London is very cosmopolitan. You meet people from all, all countries, and I personally love accents. I'm very auditory. So the first time I went to London many, many, many years ago, I was overwhelmed by the different accents I heard and the different ethnicities. Stockholm I love because it's such a beautiful city. If you've never been there, it's on an archipelago and it's so green. Have you been to Stockholm? I haven't, I'm afraid. No, not yet. It's wonderful. And then it's chock-a-block with Swedes and I love the Swedish people. Awesome, awesome. Particularly the ladies, my love of my life, uh, (laughs) who's gone now, but the up until now love of my life is Swedish. She's still my best friend. Oh, bless so yeah, okay. So that's on my list of of city of of cities to go and visit at some point when when all this coronavirus finishes. So um, tell us, Paul. So what is your journey? So how, where did you start, and how did you get into what you're doing at the moment? Well, this is not in my bio, but it's something I like to reveal on podcast. I actually started out my journey as a dating coach. I started out, yes. Now, here's the thing. I started out as a very gawky, uh, I would say charitably uh, unattractive man. And in my early 20s, up until my early 20s, I really only had one date, never had a girlfriend. When other people were bonding with each other, I just couldn't do it. it, was full of shame, confusion, fear. And I was looking for a solution to this and just nothing came to me. And about five, six years later, I stumbled on a neurolinguistic programming, which is the study of how language structures consciousness, shapes decisions, 
drives behavior. I thought, maybe I can find an answer in NLP. And after two or three years of struggle, I actually learned to communicate in ways that were emotionally exciting and also to show up in a way that was neither frozen with my emotions or flooding through them with fear and anxiety. And it really changed my life. I thought, why do I want to work as a paralegal for $15 an hour? I've got an answer to this. I can write a book and self-publish it and begin my, start my own business. That was how I thought. Now, this was before the internet. Mm. And so I invested a little bit of tiny amount of money, maybe $600 to self-publish a book. And I put some ads in the back of gentlemen's magazines and got some money going. But what I was spending all my money as I, as it came in, I thought I need to do something now. I don't know if you believe in fate or destiny. I believe that we're all given breaks, but we have to take those breaks. I agree. Have, I completely agree with that. And it's not even certainty or confidence. It's, it's just, you know what? I don't know that I can't do this, so let's go and do it. I had about $600 left in my bank account. I took $450 and I placed an informed bet, and that was in a magazine called Radio TV Interview Report, which was the Bible of every chat show, whether radio or TV. This is way before the internet or podcast. It was like 1990, 1991. Mm. I schmoozed the editor of that magazine, got the inside front cover. So when you open the magazine, you look to the right. And, and I wrote an ad, which I can't repeat here because it's a little offensive. <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. a family show. But that got me booked instantly. I instantly got booked on every major chat show in the United States. Oh, wow. And that, that launched my career. Now, I should say, back up the story, I had a mentor in marketing and advertising. His name was Gary Halbert. So had it not been for Gary, I would not have made a penny. So I had two mentors, Richard Bandler, who co-created NLP, which enabled me to heal myself of all this pain and also learn a communication system that would be attractive to women. Mm -hmm. And then I had my mentor, Gary Halbert. Without either one, without Richard, I wouldn't have healed the problem. Without Gary, I wouldn't have learned how to market. And marketing is what you do prior before you ask for the sale. Mm. And you have to learn how to market. And so one of the first steps in my journey is I had great mentors. I, I should mention that my best mentor was my mother. My mother taught me that I was smart enough to do anything. And she also, I don't mean to offend, my mother said, look, 90% of the people out there are just dumber than you. If the crowd <laughs> is doing one thing, you go the other way because they're almost certainly wrong. So, and my mother also said something to me. One day I was sassing her. I was like six years old and giving her, I was being a cheeky monkey, as you say. And, and yeah, I was being a cheeky monkey and she didn't say none of your cheek because that's not how Americans do it. She said, listen, kid, she shook her finger at me, which is what she did. She would call me kid, not Paul, when she's mad at me. If you don't knock it off, you're going to grow up to be an iconoclast. I said, what's that, mommy? She said, that's someone who goes around knocking over other people's sacred idols and ideas and really gets them uh, mad in the process. I said, yes, I want to be an iconoclast. So my mother put into my head the idea of being a contrarian. So the first step of my journey was, and, and also I'll say something else. Way back when, when I was a 22-year-old, I'll have to say it, virgin there at UCLA, I remember 
walking up the main street of the UCLA campus, which is huge, mm -hmm. and screaming out loud, when am I going to solve this problem? And a little voice in my head said, when you solve it for yourself, you'll solve it for everyone. And also, as a five-year-old, six-year-old child, I remember having a vision of teaching large groups of men. And I was always told by my mother, you're going to grow up to be a great man one day. And my grandmother, or my great aunt, Golda, said, this one is going to be a light. Don't smack him around too much. <laughs> so I always held with me the belief that I was meant for something better. And my first love was writing comedy. I wanted to be a comedy writer. I actually wrote one of the worst movies ever made. But to support myself, I was working terrible jobs. I remember the worst job I ever worked was sitting in a basement floor of a company putting ink in the ink machine. And there were no windows. And I remember thinking, this is not what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to do something great with my life. I don't know what it is, but I'll figure it out. And through all the ups and downs, we'll get into those because I've had many. What's kept me going is believing I always am meant to do something with my life. I have a greater path to walk. And I'm going to find it no matter what. What amazing self-belief. And I think I've been, and I speak to quite a lot of, you know, great achievers. This self-belief is a prerequisite before you achieve any kind of success in the physical world. And I truly, I think I can resonate with so much of what we just said. One of the things which I was laughing off completely was I, I have this habit. If everybody's going left, I'm going to go right. I'm going to do the opposite. Not because, I mean, I'm thought, if I don't want to think, if I don't want to, if I just want to just go, you know, not use my brain too much, I'll just see where, where's the rest of the herd going? Okay, I'm going to go the opposite direction. For that very reason, I am, you know, I, I do the opposites. And I generally end up seeing succeeding because most people argue, like I said, they're following the herd, they have no clue what to do. And secondly, I'm going to say this idea that you're meant for something great and having that idea at a young age is very, very common, something that I could resonate with. And I had, when I was, I remember being five, six year old, knowing that I was, I had this epiphany at that time that I, I remember thinking and that I'm meant for amazing. I'm going to be a billionaire, whatever. And it could have been a child's thing because my father was very, very rich at the time. And we had just left my father. But I, I remember thinking that my father's income is going to be nothing compared to mine. And that was six year old. Not knowing what money really means, but I remember having this epiphany then. And I remember now I look back and that's one of the few memories I have of me as a child. So this is a, it's quite interesting that that belief stays with you and then it allows you to push past obstacles and achieve great success. What do you say? I agree. I don't think everyone can have that strong a belief that they're meant to change the world. They just have to believe that what they're doing is of great importance. But I don't want to miss out the other part of the story. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to find great mentors. Fortunate enough, but I also reached out towards them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't envy their success. I think two of the biggest, since we're talking about mindsets, two mm -hmm. of the biggest things that will stop people beyond fear. Fear is obvious, but mm -hmm. my one of my other great mentors, Shinzen Young, who teaches Buddhist meditation, said, it's the subtle poisons that really get in the way, the ones we can't see. I think resentment and envy are mm -hmm. huge, huge, huge. If I resent or envy or tell myself tales that I can, and comparison. So if there's someone who I would like to be a mentor and I'm envious of their success, or I resent their success, or I tell myself stories that I have to be as successful as they are before I even begin to model them. I'm gone right from the shoot. Mm -hmm. So part of mindset, I think, is to look precisely at what doesn't work without getting sucked back into it. Mm 
The ability to see the errors in our thinking without attacking ourselves or believing that they're who we are requires cultivating consciousness. And one of the things I teach that I think is quite unique is that cultivating consciousness overall, not just holding beliefs, which is necessary, but learning to cultivate a consciousness where we can see with perspective what our beliefs are without holding them in front of our face. And I learned this again as a dating coach, teaching very, very emotionally and cognitively impacted guys, guys who are 30, 40-year-old virgins who'd never had a date and were filled with shame and self-hate and repeating their mistakes in their mind and hypnotizing themselves back into it mm -hmm. and learning to break those patterns. Remember, I'm also a well-trained hypnotist. Yeah. And a lot of our beliefs are hypnotic yeah. because they operate outside conscious awareness. Yes. Does this make sense? It absolutely does. I mean, I, I know hypnosis as well. That's one of the modalities I've trained in as well. So I'm, I'm very familiar with this. Absolutely. So tell us then. So you were, you why? Okay. So how did you go from a dating coach to what you do now? So what was the transition and why did you transition? It's a, it's a good question. And the story is an interesting one. So email came into vogue and around 2005, a big change happened. I had been receiving emails from guys saying, thank you. I met my wife using your skills or I'm engaged or I'm dating someone who I really love. I would get pictures of families. Here's the sweetest one was it purported to come from a little two-year-old girl saying, thank you for teaching daddy the skills to meet mommy. It was a picture of oh. the kid. But then something different started to happen. I started to get emails from guys saying, you know, I used your stuff. I got a great girlfriend. And just to be frank with you, a lot of them wanted lots of girlfriends. But I've been applying it towards business. The same tools that you teach for, for influence and communicating in a way that's emotionally impactful, et cetera, et cetera, for dating, I've been applying to my business or my career as a professional salespeople. And I'm killing it. I'm just crushing it. So I thought, well, this is interesting. Let me hop back into my lab and see how I can map it over. Mm -hmm. I began to map it over and take on clients here and there and teach some courses here and there. And it took me a long time to perfect it to the point where I thought it really works. But if you think about it, dating is essentially a sale. Of course, you you're selling to, yourself. You're, you're selling, selling yourself. yourself. But you also you have to do get in the right mindset. Yep. You have to do your prospecting. You have to set your appointments. You have to make your sales presentation. You have to do your trial closes and then you have to handle objections. Yep. I hope that doesn't come off as sexist. <laughs> That's not my intent. No, no, no. It works both but, ways. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I do understand that. And then there's the element of risk because you are risking rejection and risk rejection uh, is the biggest one. And it's yeah, it's much more of a personal rejection if you view it that way mm. than losing a sale or not yeah. reaching your financial goal for the month. Yeah. So I mean, but it's it's fascinating. I've never, I'm I'm familiar with it because I'm not a dating or into relationship coaching. I'm I'm I solely focus on money, but I can see the resemblance. I us talk about I talk about sexual energy how that's very similar to the energy of money, and this it makes absolute sense to me that the idea that the skills you required 
to find that ideal mate would be the kind of skills you would actually require to, you know, to communicate and work with clients and to build a success. You've got a romance and a sense you've got to romance your client. <laughs> yeah. And, and get them the results and make sure you, you know, you, you give, you put, you fulfill their needs. It's, and that's actually giving before you receive. Absolutely. The, the, the idea is always not to receive and then give. It's always give first and then receive. So yeah, it makes complete sense to me. So how, how long have you been doing this? It's the coaching as a, and become a business coach and how, how did the transition help? And, and also. The, and the transition. Yes. Go ahead. How did the, how did the, well, how the did transition the, was quite challenging because I had a, a lot of conversations in my head saying, you know what? I can't do this. Yeah. I've never done this before. Yeah. Who am I to be doing this? If you yeah. ask any successful person, raise Imposter, your hand. Imposter syndrome. That's it. That comes up a lot. Raise your hand if you've ever had that. Every hand will go up. <laughs> Every hand. It's just a matter of how you build a relationship. To yeah. it. One of my affirmations is confusion and uncertainty are my joyous gateways to my clarity, oh, wow. my focus, my purpose, my vision, my beautiful achievement of my wonderful personal and financial and business goals. So I think rather than trying to deny your uncertainty and your confusion and your self-doubt, make friends with it. Make them just accept that they're probably always going to be there. You're going to have a bad day when they come up. So I'd like to say thank you, beloved and beautiful self-doubt. Thank you for being there with the intention of being my teacher and my coach. I release you now with love. So rather than fight them, thank them and release them with love. Now, if that sounds too woo-woo for you, I'm a pretty hard-nosed skeptic. I'm very much into critical and scientific thinking. And yet at the same time, same time it works so i went through all that stuff but you know what kept me going i'm mm -hmm. in love with language i wrote this book i'll plug it subtle words that sell and i'm just in love with language i was so driven by the desire to teach and to train and even with the covid i found a way to do it online although believe me it's not as quite as much fun but i'm so ultimately in love with what i do that it's driven me around or past or through the fear. And the other thing is I am one stubborn jackass. I hate to quit. I hate <laughs> it. I hate it. I hate it with every fiber of who I am. Yeah. Cool. I, I would rather chew off my arm or have a coyote chew off uh, my body parts than quit. I just, I just, I'll go through periods of being scared and sad. I, I, I have, and what also assists me is having my own coaches. I have two mentors right now. Mm. One of them is currently holding my hand through a launch using a methodology I've never used before. And I'm frankly a, a little afraid, but he's mm. holding my hand, giving me reassurance and a lot of attention. So I want to keep hitting on that thread that I've had really great mentors and coaches. I don't think you well, some people do things on their own, but it just makes it makes it's, it, it makes it harder. I mean, I, I completely agree, and I'm, I'm completely on the same page with you on that. I've had mentors, and that's why I think my learning curve has been cut by at least uh, at least uh, nine tenths. I think when you go through mentors, they help you to you know well, bridge the gap well, so much quicker. One of my mentors said, "An expert is someone who's paid your idiot tax." <laughs> And I agree. I agree. And, uh, and I, if if I if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing because I I believe that I've been there, done that, and um, because of my experience, I'm able to help my clients that much more and help them to achieve their results that much faster. And that's that's why I have such amazing testimonials. But I've been willing to pay, 
you know, put, I, you know, put my money in the hands of my coaches and trusted them and learned from them before I could, you know, be a coach or a mentor to somebody else. So tell us, you know, but what's this mindset selling or selling with mindset? You know, what's this concept that I read uh, read about you? What, what do you, you know, what sort of, what do you teach in that? I'm not sure that came across properly in my promotional sheet that my Booker so sent you. It's, but, it's, a, it's, a, it's a selling mindset. That's what it says. And oh, how? No, no, you're not selling mindset. It's how do you get into a sales mindset ah, so you're able. Okay. That's that's what it means. Does okay. that make sense? It does. It does. So if we can quickly touch upon that as a tip for you. Yeah. 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 Well, first and foremost, it deals with the fact of understanding what what it is you're selling. Mm-hmm. And I say you're never selling your product or service. You're selling decisions and good feelings about decisions. And decisions and feelings are based on what state of consciousness the other person is in. Mm-hmm. So I teach, before you ask, how do I do my presentation or how do I set up my appointments or et cetera, et cetera, first think what state of mind do I want to be in? Okay. How do I create the ideal state of mind where I'm sufficiently excited that it gives me the energy to go forward, but I'm not invested in the process, that I'm process oriented? When I was a kid, many years ago, I'm about to celebrate my 62nd birthday on September 20th. Oh, wow. Happy birthday in advance. Four days to go. Thank you. I don't think I look 60. This is a fishing for a compliment. I don't think I look amazing. And honestly, you do look amazing for those who who watch the video podcast. Thank you. But you do. And I I would not guess you were 67. Not at all. Not for 62. Not 67. Okay. Uh, (laughs) okay. All right. But that's fine. That's fine. It doesn't really matter. So you have to ask what state of consciousness do you want to be in? What state of frame of mind? Is it the frame of mind? Okay, I'm willing to experiment. Let's see if this will work. How can I have fun while I also go for my outcome? How can I be of service while I also go for my outcome? And when I studied champion salespeople, there's one mindset I think is really useful. Mm-hmm. And that is they're interested in the sale, but they're invested in their skills. Uh, let's think about that. To use a metaphor in a breakfast of bacon and eggs, one animal is interested, but the other one is invested. Do you get it? The pig is invested in the breakfast of bacon and eggs. Hmm. The chicken is interested. Ah, yes, yes, uh-huh. yes, yes, yes. Okay. I get it. So, I get it now. So, I had to think about that one. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. So you go in there. Yeah. You go in there. You do everything you can in a in a reasonable way without getting over-invested in it. But you also realize any kind of business, any kind of sales is chaotic. And this is something I will uh, I will say the metaphor that many people have is the vending machine metaphor. You put in your, I'm American, I don't know exactly how the coinage works in, in Britain. Pounds. Pounds. I know, but what's the 50 pence? You oh, yeah. put in your Pennies. 50 pence, <laughs> your, your, yeah. you put in your your 50 pence of getting rapport, your 50 pence of having a good sales presentation, your 50 pence of, oh, doing your qualifying, your 50 pence of making the close, 50 pence of answering directly, you push the button, out comes the candy bar, the commission. Mm. doesn't work that way because humans are chaotic. Anything can happen between the point of sale and the point of things actually going through anything. Agreed. And so Agreed. you also have the willingness to recognize lady chaos and pay her her due. So that's the first thing. What state of mind do you want to be in? 
But then what state of consciousness do you want your prospect to be in? Mm -hmm. Meaning, do you want them do you want them distracted? Do you want them skeptical? Do you want them doubting themselves? Much of the problem is not your competition, but simply that your prospect doesn't trust their ability to make a good decision. Oftentimes, because they're overwhelmed, they have too many options and they have the attention span of a goldfish. I remember when YouTube first started, the ads were two minutes long. Now you could click off after 15 seconds. People don't have the attention span that they used to. So if your sales process, uh, and don't get me wrong, I only teach people who are already somewhat successful and they have a workable sales process. But if it's not working as well as you'd like it to, maybe it's because you haven't thought of selling as being about shaping states of consciousness. This is, again, a unique iconoclastic idea. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> I should be, I don't know where I should be glancing there. Thanks, Mom. And so it's a very unique way of thinking about selling. Selling is structuring states of consciousness. And ultimately, my belief is selling is not about getting your ideas into your prospect's mind. Mm -hmm. It's about expanding their mind to include your ideas. Oh, I love it. I love that. And I completely, completely resonate with that completely. It is really expanding their idea of what's possible for them and yes. how you can be part of the process. And I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree with that. Now, my tool set for getting there is using suggestive language, is using the power of suggestion. Right. And here we walk right up against the, the, the electric fence, the 800 pound gorilla in the room is, is a manipulation. Yeah. Because uh, uh, used unethically and in a destructive way, it can be manipulative. But if you use it with the intent to serve, see, to me, selling is not just service, it's service times suggestion. If you well, don't use. interesting concept. I've never heard that before. So that's yeah. I've, because... I've heard selling is serving. That's a very common. Great. But yeah. if all you do, if your only intent is to serve, then what about leadership? Yeah. What about having your prospect viewing you as a leader? Hmm. Just because you're in service, a lot of people think you're in service, therefore you're a servant. Hmm. How can you use suggestion to create the perception that you are in fact a leader and how can you do it quickly? Because even better than rapport, even better than trusting and liking you is a willingness to follow you and to see you unconsciously as a leader. Now, trust and rapport are necessary for that, but they're not enough. And here's where the power of suggestion rolls into that. So my message is overall, if you have a sales process that's working, keep doing it. But try out, test using the power of suggestion and see how that adds to what's already working for you. And you'll see, you'll see some interesting things. Language is extraordinarily powerful. It is the substrate of consciousness to get to use uh 10 pound word <laughs> i mean I, I i completely agree with that and and i use so part of my modality my energy clearing is actually the power of words i do use power words the sound and the frequency of words and obviously my the sound of my voice so i am woo -woo. <laughs> I, I go and that's going a bit woo -woo too for maybe a little bit too woo -woo but that's that's the modality that i use and it's very very powerful and it works for those it works it works very, very effectively but anyway on that note thank you so much for being with us um again thank you so much for being with us paul tell us paul where can we find you there's a couple of ways. First and foremost, if you want to get a hold of a copy of my book, jump on Amazon. I also have a Facebook group where I do weekly live streams, live mm -hmm. broadcasts. So you can learn from me personally. It's absolutely free. You don't have to pay a penny. It's my way of proving to you that the concepts actually work because mm -hmm. 
for me, the best guarantee is your own results. So go out, use the free stuff, look at the results as the people in the group have gotten, and then you can come back to me and think, okay, this guy's legit. He's a little nuts, and what he's claiming is out there, but it's working for me. Now I'm willing to perhaps take him on as a paid teacher and, and invest in myself that way. It's easy to join the group. Go to speaker Paul Ross forward slash group. And that will send you an invitation to the group. And that way we can stay in the conversation. But this is something that one of my other mentors recommended to me. Stay in the conversation. Okay. Always stay in the conversation with your client and customer and your prospect. Awesome. Fantastic. And for those who are listening or, or watching, if you're watching this on the YouTube, then remember that the, all the links for, for, for Paul would be on the description. And if, if you're listening to this on the podcast, remember that all the links for Paul would be on the show notes. So we will have them and for them. They're readily available for you. But I just wanted to, Paul to say it himself. But thank you so much, Paul, for being such an amazing, amazing, amazing guest. <laughs> We've learned so much. I love it. I think we need to have a longer discussion on this. Maybe we'll have, hopefully we'll have you back in a, in a few months' time to be a guest again and talk to, us, talk to us and again. And we can probably get into more deeper conversations about actually how you help your clients, how how you help your clients to change their mindset around selling, because that I know is a big mammoth of topic. And, uh, yeah. and I didn't want to touch too much upon it because I think that's a topic in itself. We want to talk about your story today, so hopefully we'll have you back and we can talk about that. Yeah. For those of you watching or listening to this, thank you so much for being with us. I will be back on another Friday feature with another amazing guest sharing their abundance journey, sharing with us how they change their mindset <laughs> to change their abundance in their life. Thank you so much. And until the next time we meet, this is Gold Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, www.gulkhan.com. That's G-U-L-L-K-H-A-N.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day millionaire mindset makeover challenge, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.millionairemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in our next five-day challenge. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan. Take care and bye for now.